Hi everybody and welcome to Short Term Memory. My name's Jack. And my name's Colin. How you doing, Jack? Yes, good. Um, what are we, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah, this is a short and sweet episode. I've decided that um, we're going to treat you in the run-up to Christmas with um, a couple of Thursdays in a row. So basically we're going to focus on one thing, 10-15 minutes, mate. You into it? Love it, yeah, let's do it. Right, okay. So 3rd of December, this is when this comes out. And back in 1994, that's when the PlayStation was released in Japan, mate. You're a PlayStation 5 player at the moment, but did you get a a PS1? I remember how fucking good it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had every PlayStation, and I remember the one being just... I just remember it being, like, my earth-shattering how different it was and how futuristic it was. The graphics were like nothing I've ever seen before, and... Got it at Christmas, and I just remember thinking I was so lucky, man. I was so happy. Proper, I'd have been 10, 9 or 10 I would have been, and that's probably one of the last Christmases where you're a little kid and you're getting toys rather than yeah. stuff, and you're still kind of pure captivated by the whole thing and all that, and you just thought you were the bee's knees. So, yeah, very happy memories of the old PlayStation 1. Yeah, absolute class. I, I didn't get it till I was maybe 11 or 12, but still, uh, when I did get it, it was like, it was so futuristic. I didn't know this, but I actually started as the Nintendo PlayStation, um, developed in partnership with Nintendo back then, but um, I think Nintendo were a little bit sneaky and like kind of went behind Sony to like jump in bed with Philips at the time and that right. just pissed Sony off and they went on to produce the, the PlayStation by themselves basically and literally just just took over, mate, so it kind of teaches Nintendo right, basically. Yeah, yeah Nintendo's a, a pretty much a nostalgia brand for me, really. They've not done anything that's relevant for over a decade, and they kind of just live off this whole Mario thing, don't they? That's their legacy, that's what they have. And Nintendo fans are, are massive fans of Nintendo, not so much of the latest stuff or the latest device that they're doing, because the Wii and the Switch haven't really taken off. It's I think Sony have definitely done the right thing and moved further ahead than Nintendo in this point of view. Aye, the Wii is like one of those things that once, everybody knows somebody that's got one and have played it once, like the bowling, quite enjoyed that, but literally played it once, played the band game once with the drums and the guitars, but apart from that, nah, it's um, Vote, and that's kind of, like you say, that's the way Nintendo have went basically so um they've been they've been left behind but ps1 games were sold until 2006 did you know that i knew they hung around for a long time i, I didn't think it was going to be as long as that though mm-hmm. that's that's long that's longer than i thought um but i mean a lot of people held held on to them a lot of people got ps2s and handed the ps1s down to the family and stuff like that so it doesn't massively surprise me even now with the playstation 5 the the fact that it plays all the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 3 games shows there is still a market for those old games, more so than ever now, because the the difference in stuff isn't so earth-shattering now between a PlayStation 4 to a PlayStation 5. You can still quite happily play a PS4 game and enjoy it mm-hmm. on a PS5, whereas you were still looking at significant leaps back then from PS2 to PS1, going, what, like 32-bit to 64-bit and all that sort of stuff. So I get it. I, I get why they hung around for people handing them down, but it's probably even more common now. Yeah, they sold nearly a, a billion, nearly a billion units of it, you know, so 
like that's like one in seven people in the world basically um i presume people went through tons of them you would buy people would get like the thing they made them smaller they were like the first yeah. kind of people to do that that's sort of what nintendo do now but uh, PlayStation will like the first like we'll make it smaller and quieter and people were, were buying them, absolutely loving it. Um, they've got their marketing remember, spot on as well. Yeah, I remember quite recently I actually watched a, a guy on YouTube <clears> taking <throat> one apart and kind of cleaning it and rebuilding it and all that sort of stuff. And I was actually taken away by how basic the electronics were in it um, because it's really just one chip motherboard and a CD drive and there's basically really not much else to it. And at the time, it was so cutting edge and was capable of stuff that you could only dream of before that. But looking back at it now, it's really, really basic tech. It's amazing just how stuff changes, isn't it? Yeah, we could probably do a full, like a full episode in the PlayStation, but we'll try and just bar through some of the the things that I find quite interesting about it on its twenty uh, sixth anniversary. Do you know that the controller symbols have special? Um, I didn't know that, but I could have guessed. But I don't know what they mean. Like, I, I even if I played, I've, I've got an Xbox and a PlayStation, but I still use the the PlayStation terminology, the buttons and stuff like that. It's how I go with it. But go, what what do they mean? What's the what's the story behind them? Yeah, so like the guy uh, Teyu Goto um, intended the icons to indicate their function, basically. So the green triangle would control the camera. Um, and in Japan, a red circle means OK, which is a little bit backwards. And blue X right, means okay. cancel. Is a little bit backwards because most of the time you press X to like go into menus and shit like that. So either that's still the case today, but I think it might be different in Japan because of this red circle thing. So Ah right, okay. Cool, that kinda makes sense. It's kinda became their almost an unofficial logo. Obviously you get the PS logo, but those four buttons and those four colours is like an unofficial logo for them. They use it everywhere, don't they? Yeah, man. It's it's pretty cool to be fair. Um, like the amount of thought it's weird because the amount of thought that goes into but the guys obviously really does that mean had a had a good think about it but um, he's decided to do that so you've got to give give him a little bit of uh, kudos there um, right I'll do one more and then you can you can do a few mate um, otherwise okay. I'm, did you know that uh, the PS1 has a mascot Um it's not a dinosaur, is it? No, it's no. a cat. <laughs> ah, right, okay. And it's called Toro, um, the white cat from the game Doku Demo. But we won't have heard of it because it's never appeared outside of Japan. The Japanese are, I'm going to say, a little bit strange when it comes to like cats and f- fluffy things and, and stuff like yeah. that. They they get right into it. So, well, they're um, fucking cat daft, aren't they? Yeah, they really are, mate. They really are. Um... The black discs, you remember them, they were pretty pointless. They just looked cool. So again, yeah. it's all to do with the marketing, man. Just look cooler. That's a funny point, because I do remember those discs being really, really cool. Um, and the fact that they were black and the other side, rather than just the usual silver stuff, did make them so going to stand out. I'll always remember as well the first time I put a PlayStation game into my CD player, and it had the soundtrack on it, and you could listen to the soundtrack from the game. Oh, that was magic. And man. that absolutely blew my brain that it could do that. I thought, I couldn't believe that I had a PlayStation game that was also a CD. Like, genuinely, I thought this was, like, futuristic shit that I couldn't believe. So I always remember that as well. Uh, it was. Well, it was at the time. Well, it really was, you know. Um, I forget about Sega. Um, they, because they were obviously big. 
but um, they brought out the, what was it, the fucking Sega Saturn at the time, and they thought they were cool, saying, look, it's only going to cost dollars, and uh, the Sony chief executive at the time, Steve Race, took to the stage, you know how they, you know this with Apple, they do the, the sort of keynote things, well, Sony must have had one, he just yeah. walked out on stage and just said $299, and they, they undercut <laughs> Sega by $100 and basically binned it. Did you ever play the Sega Saturn? No, never once. Well, I tell you, I think I played it in like Comet or something because they had one set up. So I would have had a shot of it in like a shop at one point, but never ever bought one to actually play. No, I was done with Sega. I had a, I had a Master System, I had a Mega Drive. I had two Master Systems because I, my one had got me one and then I won one on a tin of Heinz Beans once, believe it or not. Um, but after that, I never went on and never did any more Sega stuff. They're, they're probably even more behind than Nintendo are at this point, aren't they? Yeah, I think so, mate. I think so. Right. Um, you want to battle through the, the, the stuff that I've put here and we'll, we'll wrap it up in the next couple of minutes, mate? Yeah, sure. So um, the discs were massive compared to what we're used to. So a games cartridge that you'd have had before this in your Mega Drive or something like that was usually about 12 megabytes in size. 12. Or, it's yeah, 12 megabytes or four floppy disks, if you want to think about it that way. Um, a PlayStation CD was your standard blank CDR sort of thing, so it was 650 megabytes. So the difference you were getting in terms of the content on the thing was massive. You were getting graphics, the music that we spoke about, bigger games, the, the ability to save them and all this sort of stuff. But with that came a thing you didn't have with cartridges, Jack, which was loading times. Yeah, like, because it was, like, a rewritable CD, it, it led to a massive, like, rise in piracy, basically. It was so easy just to pirate PlayStation games back in the day. I remember having the, sort of, the kit with the, the spring that you would hold down the wee button. Do you remember yep. that? And you would, like, swap it. the discs. Yeah, so that, that, that was something that sort of kind of backfired with them, I suppose. Whereas, can you... Can you still pirate games now? It must be almost you, impossible. You can't do it. There's, you can't pirate games the way we would think about doing it, um, like playing unofficial games or ROMs or anything like that. What they do now is hackers or people that are out there basically hack people's PlayStation accounts to get their usernames and passwords. Right. And you, they sell them on the dark web or various places online. So you would actually buy, you would buy the access to somebody's PlayStation. They don't know anything about it. You log into their PlayStation and all their games are there that they've paid for, and you can download them to your machine and start playing away at them. And the person that's actually bought them has no idea you're doing this. And um, yeah. that's the kind of the way they do it now, which I suppose in some ways is safer than fucking some idiot with a soldering gun trying to figure out how to hack his PlayStation. But um, I'm not a big fan of usernames and passwords getting passed about and stuff like that, so it's not ideal either. No, it is not, mate. But a couple of massive games. Um... Final Fantasy VII and Metal Gear Solid were probably two of the the bigger games back in the day. Did you play either of either of those? Played both of them. Um, Final Fantasy VII was uh, that always kind of stands out in my brain as well because it was a four disc game. It came in a a very different box to your typical PlayStation games because it had four different discs with it. Um, so if you, we've spoke about already about the size of the PlayStation disc and how much extra was on them. That gives you an idea of how big the Final Fantasy game was that it came across all those discs. It was amazing. I'd never seen graphics like that before. 
the game was so huge, that kind of almost open world type feel to it. The battles, the wandering about, the talking to different characters and stuff like that. It was really, really good. It was a game that had side missions and extra stuff that had nothing to do with the game. And that was really unheard of up until then because games were quite linear. You just basically had a day to get to Z and that was you completed the game. This had whole arcades and Chocobo racing and all sorts of stuff that really had no impact or effect on whether you completed the game or not. But it gave you hours and hours of extra stuff to do. So much fun, this game. Um, I got the remake recently for the PlayStation 4 and thoroughly enjoyed getting back and playing it again as well. Yeah, um, I didn't I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, it could have been a, like a... Like a story um influenced by a guy called raymond chandler and sort of film noir um and instead of cloud it could have been a guy called hot-blooded detective joe um but <laughs> i think they decided to do it to do it right because people got right in right into metal gear solid i suppose i don't remember this right but supposedly you could only beat um a boss guy called the psychomantis by unplugging your controller from port 1 and putting it in port 2 because you could read your mind in the game that rings a bell I'm not <clears> sure if I remember it per se but that is pretty cool I like that that's quite pretty clever meta. Yeah. it is meta isn't it it's, it's like I remember when I got my first PC remember you had, uh, before laptops you had these big tower PCs in your house and stuff Yeah. and I remember Coca-Cola did a thing once where they gave away a free cup holder to everybody on the on their website, and you basically clicked the thing to, to get a free cup holder, and it opened up your CD-ROM drive, <laughs> and that was where you're supposed to put your cup. Um, quite clever, quite meta. I'm quite impressed by that. Yeah, um, Crash Bandicoot was my favourite game, but he could have been a wombat. Um, that's Crash all I've got wombat. on that. <laughs> yeah, Crash wombat. Crash, it doesn't. It doesn't seem quite right, does it? But it would still have worked, I'm sure. The mechanics of that game are pretty cool. That was like their version of Sonic, their version of Mario type thing, that kind of platform. Easy to work game, just run about chasing, I don't know if it was pineapples or coconuts or something, but you used to gather them. Apples, that's what it was, yeah, and crash through boxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the remake to that game as well, my mate Callum, he bought it by mistake, or he bought two of them by mistake and he gave me one, but I've still not played it yet. Um, but I will definitely go back and do it at some point. That's a game that Lisa likes, Lisa really likes the Crash Bandicoot games, that's kind of the stuff that she's into in terms of gaming. Right, well, um, I think that'll do us for today, short and sweet. Um, like I say, it's just boom, one thing, one one topic, and then, then we'll wrap it up. But um, aye, that'll do us. Uh, Excellent. Of rate, subscribe, tell your pals, visit us at Wrong Term Memory on Twitter, etc., etc., all that sort of stuff. But Colin, cheers. I'm away to play the PlayStation, mate. See you later. Right, take it easy, guys.